As Ken mentioned, um, as we come to our passage today, we're returning to the journey we're on through the Gospel of Luke uh, this year. Uh, For the last three weeks, we've kind of jumped forward to near the end of Luke's Gospel uh, to look at the Easter story, but now we're resuming our normal program. And I'm following on today from Ken's sermon a few weeks ago where he started looking at Luke chapter 6 and what we call Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Uh, As Ken mentioned, uh, this passage is very similar to the famous Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, and it covers a lot of the same areas. And I consider the passage that we're looking at today, which we've just heard, to be among the most powerful and pristine teaching of Jesus that we have. So full of meaning, isn't it, and significance, and put in such clear and memorable terms. How many phrases there did you recognise? In one sense, it's actually hard to get up here and teach on this passage um, because of how great it is, Uh, you know, to add and expand on what Jesus said here. I feel like I'm someone scrupling over a priceless Picasso (laughs) painting in front of you. So I hope today that um, instead of doing that, I'm actually going to help display that teaching to you in a way that shows its true depth. So in the Gospel of Luke, we see that Jesus has many titles that he is given, many identities, many roles that he uh, fulfills. So he is the Son of God, the Messiah, he's a master of his disciples, he's a Lord, a healer, and also a teacher. In Luke, he's often doing things, you know, he's healing people, delivering them from demons, confronting people about their sin. But in this part of the Gospel here, we sit and we hear Jesus teaching people about life and teaching them about God. And so this is an opportunity for us to be like that crowd and to sit and listen to what he has to say. And a big question that arises as we listen to the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Mount is what kind of teaching it is. What kind of teacher is Jesus? Again, as Ken said in his sermon a couple of weeks ago, there have been lots of different opinions about this over the years. And I agree with him that there are some wrong turns that Christian people take with understanding and applying the kind of teacher that Jesus is and these teachings here. And there are a couple of dead ends that I would give you that I think we should avoid when we read the teaching of Jesus. The first is the idea that perhaps Jesus is teaching here about how to live a successful life. So the Sermon on the Plain here, I I think, is not something similar to uh, something like, you know, 12 Rules for Life, the Jordan Peterson, right? It's not like the seven habits of highly effective people, you know? It's not a set of principles that will make you successful or happy as a person if you follow them. Um, Ken told us very correctly that if you follow Jesus' teaching here, you'll probably turn out to be unsuccessful in the terms of the world. Because Jesus himself was, of course, not a very successful person. He was poor. He was a marginalised teacher and he ended up executed as a criminal. And he followed these teachings, of course, to the letter. So Jesus' teaching is not, he's not a life coach, he's not a philosopher of life, he's not someone we listen to, to how to live in a way that will make us successful. So that's one thing that we shouldn't do. There's a more plausible idea that Christians have often had, that this sermon is what we would call a form of moral teaching, describing kind of how we should try to behave, either behave now or how we're going to behave in the future when Jesus returns. 
And I'll explain a bit more in a minute why I think that's wrong. But the upfront problem with this idea, which you probably had when we were listening to it, is that the principles and the commands or the teachings that Jesus give here, they're not practical moral teachings that can be realistically achieved by normal people. They can't really be done. So much so that, to be honest, there's basically been a whole industry of biblical scholars and theologians over the years whose basic job has been to come up with creative ways of interpreting Jesus' teachings so that we don't actually have to obey them. Um, happens all the time. Or listen to what people say about you know, rich people not being able to go through the eye of a needle or, you know, and get into the kingdom. It's hilarious. Anyway, he can't have meant what he said. Um, so what is this teaching then? So um, I believe that actually what Jesus gives us here are some of what we might call the keys to the kingdom. So as we saw right back at the beginning of this series, this gospel of Luke, and the gospel means good news, the good news that Luke is saying is that Jesus, through Jesus, the kingdom of God has come into the world in a powerful way and in a new way. And so, as we, I hope, have, have listened and we need to anchor this in our mind, when we talk about the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus, what we mean is that we are here, have through him, the direct presence of God acting in our world, bringing transformation to every aspect of that world. So we see people being forgiven from their sin and called back to a new life with God receiving the Holy Spirit and a new power to follow him, being healed of their hurts and their pain, justice being done in the world and things being the way that they should, all those things like that. That is the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus is bringing in. When those things happen, the kingdom of God is here. So the kingdom of God is the presence of God in our world, and that's the gospel of Jesus. God is with us. This is happening now in this earth wherever Jesus and his spirit make their home, and we're called to be part of that, his kingdom. So I believe that in this sermon here, Jesus is teaching us what does it look like when someone lives as though they're inhabiting the kingdom of God? And how do we live in a way that unlocks our experience of the kingdom of God in us and around us? And so what I believe Jesus is teaching here is that when we live as members of the kingdom of God, we are actually dwelling within a dimension of reality that operates according to very different rules to the mundane, unglorified, normal world around us that we see every day. So as an analogy for what I mean when I say that is just imagine that you go in a rocket and you go to the moon, Elon Musk style or whatever. Um, and when you arrive there, you will find that the physics of the world you're in behave very differently because the gravity is lower. So you've all seen them, you know. You jump very high without any effort at all. We've seen footage of astronauts doing that. It's a different world. And you're living according to different physical rules and the behaviour and the outcomes of your actions would be different because of that. And so in the same way... I think Jesus teaches us in the kingdom of God, so where, where God is present, there are rules of operation that transgress our common understanding of how the world works. And I can find a couple of these rules in our, pre, in our se, um, section here, which I think Jesus explains with examples of what he means, of the kind of behaviour that, that it operates. So the first thing I can see here is what is Jesus is saying is that in the kingdom of God, 
the more humble that you are, the more you serve other people, the higher the status and glory that you receive. So in the kingdom of God, the lower and more humble that you are, the higher the status that you have. Second rule is, he says, in the kingdom of God, the more that you give away, the more you will receive in return. The more you give away of anything, the more you receive in return. And both of those are essentially the same principle stated in two ways. In the kingdom of God, to go up, you need to go down. To go up, you need to go down. And that's a very different reality to our normal experience of our normal world, where in order to go up, you have to go up. <laughs> okay? <laughs> So, firstly, as I said, in the kingdom of God, the more humble you are, the more of a servant you are, the higher your status. This is, and Jesus showed this himself. So what does Jesus teach here in this sermon? He says, what should you do? You love your enemies, he says. Do good to people who hurt you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. When someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other one so they can do it again. And so compare those te that teaching with what would normally be considered good advice or even moral teaching in the world where we commonly inhabit. Good advice would be, how do you get ahead in the world? How do you go up? Well, to do that, you defeat your enemies. Put people down who are trying to get you down. Tell lies about your political opponent if it helps you get elected. No one would do that, I, but... Um, if someone slaps you, you slap them back harder so they will never do it again. Um, like many people, I've been following the war in Ukraine. And so much of the conversation people have is around the wisdom and the morality of escalation, retaliation. How do you respond to attack and aggression in a measured way to, to achieve the goals and outcomes that you want? That's not the, how the kingdom of God works. In the world, though, this rule, the more humble you are, the higher your status, it's not a recipe for success, is it? It's a, if you allow or encourage your enemies to hurt you, you won't get ahead. And those are moral and wisdom questions we need to grapple with. But again, as I'm saying, the Sermon on the Plain is not about moral teachings about how to live successfully in the world. Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of God, in the presence of God, our enemies are not really our enemies. We don't have enemies in the kingdom of God. Enemies are just an opportunity to go deeper and further into humility so that we can go deeper into God's presence because that's how he behaves. So the second, that's the first principle. The second principle I brought out was that in the kingdom of God, the more that you give away, the more you receive in return. Financially, of course, he's mentioning that you receive but also, I think, in terms of everything, your life, your care, your energy. Therefore, Jesus says, you know, whenever anyone asks you for someone, something, give it to them. There's no downside. And don't lend to people you expect to pay you back because it doesn't matter. Um, so that's why he says, you know, he says to them, love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then you're, he says, then your reward will be great. He says, if you do this, you will receive a great reward. And again, he, he contrasts his teaching here with normal good and wise advice. Because, of course, in our world, the more you give away, the less you have. So you have to be careful with how much you give. He says that's, you know, and so we do have this sort of, you know, um, reciprocal arrangements. 
We love those who love us. We do good to those who do good to us. It's an investment. Uh, but he says that's natural. He says everyone knows how to do that. That's, that's, there's nothing spiritual about that. Even sinners do that. In the kingdom of God, things happen differently, though. And again, I don't think this is morality. This is not about ethics. Very often when this passage has come up in sermons and small group discussions I've been in over the years, the question is raised about the ethics of giving money away to everyone who asks you. Like, how does that work in practice? You know, should you give to everyone on the street who asks you money? Um, even those who are going to use it for bad things, should we be careful? What if, you, what if you did give away to everyone who asked you and you gave away too much and you can't cover your own financial responsibilities? And, you know, you tend to arrive at those discussions in a sensible ethics of being generous and having charity but being responsible, you know. And that's wise. Perhaps we should do that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here, I think. Again, he's not describing a good and sensible morality for getting ahead in our world and being a good person. He is describing the reality of the kingdom of God. In the presence of God, he says, if we give to others, whatever we give, we will receive in return an abundance of the blessings of God's kingdom, the forgiveness, peace, joy, hope, and the healing of the world around us, because the excess that we receive will flow out to those who we come into contact with. The more you give away, the more you receive from Jesus. And the money side of that is an example. It's how it can show in actions that we understand that everything we have is an abundance that we give away to receive back. And Jesus explains then, I think, at the end of this passage, where this reality of the kingdom comes from. You know, how can it actually be that there's a place and a reality where the only way to go up is to take the way down? And the reason, he says, is that the kingdom of God is the presence of God himself. And God is an infinite, gracious, loving, merciful father who gives and gives to us out of an abundance of life that is endless. In verse 35, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So in our world as it is now, as you walk out that door, the wisdom, the morality that we have is based on scarcity, on our limitations. It's based on our fear our anxiety about what's going to happen. We are afraid of our enemies and what they will do to us. We are afraid that we will not have enough to live. Therefore, we try to go up in the world. We try to be wealthy, to hold on to what we have, and that's considered wise. But Jesus says, in the kingdom of God, there are no limits, because God has no limits. And therefore, we're able in that world to expand, expand your heart, expand your experience and become children of the Most High, become like God the Father, merciful, kind, serving and giving without worrying about what's going to come back to us, whether bad or good. And that is the secret of the kingdom of God. And I think that's why this teaching of Jesus makes sense or how it can make sense. I've left a, a bit of teaching out, which you might have noticed, and just to the last, because you know it all very well. In verse 31, he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. You recognise that, the golden rule. We know that very well, and often it's, you know, and people use it as an inspiration for action. But I think in context, Jesus is not just saying with that that we should treat people well in general so that they'll treat us back, um, well in return, but that we should treat people as though we are all inhabitants of the kingdom of God. 
we treat them with this abundant mercy of God. And in doing so, we will be like God. Treat, treat people like God treats them. What we give will come back more than we gave out. And we will become God, like God by becoming like a servant, giving, humble, like Jesus. That's the way of the kingdom. So I think this is what Jesus is saying today. Um, I hope I've displayed his teachings accurately in a helpful way to you so that we can understand them again. Now, I, like any of you, I don't actually really do this, do this stuff. <laughs> it's, not, it's really hard. So um, I'm not putting myself on that pedestal. But I'd encourage us today to apply them as we go out of here, by tr- perhaps by trying them out, seeing what the experience of the kingdom comes if we do what God, uh, Jesus said. So I'm sure that most people today or uh, joining us online are here because we actually want to experience God um, and his presence in our lives. That's mostly why we come to church. Well, I think Jesus has said he, these are the keys to the kingdom of the experience of God if we do this. So I just ask ourselves, what might happen if we actually followed what Jesus said and we tried to live according to the Sermon on the Plain? Maybe give it a go. So a small start, perhaps, might be defined in a safe way some way of doing good to someone who has hurt you. Not in a way that puts you in danger of further harm, I wouldn't suggest that, but perhaps start by reflecting, how can I bless or pray for someone who is my enemy or who has mistreated me? How can I do that? Or perhaps, how can I give of my time, my energy or my money and give to someone whom I absolutely do not expect will pay me back ever in any way? What would would that be like? And if we do that, see what happens. See what that brings. If Jesus is correct, doing these things will be a step towards us being more like God the Father and receiving in return more than we give out his mercy and blessing flowing more and more and more into our lives. That's what Jesus teaches. So let's go out and give it a go. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we read your teaching today and it is not possible for us in our own strength to do these things. We pray that you would make us as members of your kingdom, children of God, that we would know the Father, that we would live according to the ways of your kingdom and that we would see the blessings blessings that flow from that way of living. I pray for all of us that we would be given courage to do what seems wrong or what seems unnatural in our normal wisdom in order to receive your presence in our lives. I pray this in your name. Amen.